0: What the hell is the name of this thing? It's Wayne's World. The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my favorite. Kevin Sherry. Good. Kevin Sherry, I think put on number one. Larry Horn. He tried
1: to get me in mid-shoe. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another edition of
2: Ballsy.
1: It's not exciting. It's not
0: fascinating. It's not exciting. It's that not silly?
2: No. Oh, because we have David Moore. It can't be no, any of those no, things. Oh no, no. I, We're gonna get in the history of this. Yeah. Well, well, let's explore this topic. All right. One, first of all, Kevin, thank you. We wanna welcome back one of the members who got this little podcast up and running for a for a guest visit this week. <laughs> Kevin, thank you for dropping <laughs> in. Oh,
1: wow. Wow, oh, that's nice. You know, you get David in here in the studio two weeks in a row, and he thinks he owns the place. Alexander, it was Hayes. discussed last that's week. Al, we hey. Yeah, that's what we heard. Hey, and by the way, uh, David uh, today is going to have some really uh, good Michael Irvin stories to tell us, <laughs> and the, like the ones he was telling us pre- in the pre-pod meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those no, are, those are the ones we want to hear. He's not telling the best those.
2: stories. No, we probably won't relate some of those. But
1: well, we can talk about uh, Valley Ranch memories. Uh, David Moore and Tim Callishaw both uh, had in the paper. The other day, uh, some of their favorite memories of uh, Valley Ranch, uh, which became much more entertaining, I believe. I, I believe it's what well, you said going that was, in. That was pretty much- You, you said know, it was a low bar, but you did yeah, say that oh, mine were more entertaining. David,
2: give us your top memory.
1: It's kind of like Doolin with a with a no-armed man on that one. <laughs> oh. Go ahead.
2: Oh, now we're, now we're poking fun at the yeah. handicapped.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> David, your top memory. My top one? Oh, I don't have a top one. Oh, I did. Well, it has to be when um, it, it was- have, it would be Tom Landry when he was cleaning out his office. And this was uh, Jerry Jones purchased the team. You had the—actually, that that 24-hour period, if you're looking for memories, the 24-hour period of Jerry Jones holding his first press conference, hastily called press conference back at, at Valley Ranch, and, and saying how he was going to be in charge of everything from jocks to socks. Uh, and then within the next really— Within the next 12 to 15 hours, sitting in Tom Landry's office and and, and watching Tom Landry, the only coach the Cowboys had ever known at that point, uh, with four and five boxes in his office, packing and taking things out of his bookcase, rifling through his desk uh, to to fill up boxes and then placing them over to the side on the wall and getting another one while he's talking uh, to myself and Gary Myers at that time uh the only two in his office then talking to him that that was a a, a pretty striking significant uh visual and uh, and very memorable thanks for it being
0: so succinct and going right to to the response kevin what's your favorite va- valley ranch memory and try to be succinct and to the point no <laughs> <laughs>
2: My favorite. Value. Kevin hadn't been out there yet, so we're going to try to get out this week before it <laughs> no, closes. Yeah, no, seriously. Shot. What
1: do, do you have a favorite memory out there? Uh, you know, I was thinking about that. I, I uh, there were things that, that went out and did stories, and and uh, generally speaking, most of the time I went out there it, because I never covered the Cowboys, so I was out there to do a feature story, usually, or doing columns, uh, and going out there to talk to when Dave Campo was uh, named head coach. I remember doing a, a feature story and him showing me the I, I believe he showed me the yearbook that he had when he danced uh and wore a coconut bra in South Pacific, I think. Uh that, that was that was interesting.
2: A visual only only oh. topped by Dave Campo wearing a wetsuit in San Antonio at SeaWorld. <laughs> I didn't see were the, that. Were, were those his two greatest contributions <laughs> I as so a coach of the Cowboys? Well, Barry, Barry, you? No, Barry, what's your favorite? Barry, memory, what is that, your favorite memory?
0: Well, I have two. Would it be you and
2: Dez last year? That's, that's exactly <laughs> what I was. That's exactly I was out there, there for that one. of <laughs> fact, I was out there no, too.
0: You guys probably didn't see because not too many people saw that. that no, we heard it, but then. everybody heard it. Yeah. Because Dez and I, we we were down uh, on the on the other side of, Val, of Valley Ranch. We walked out of the out of the out of the locker room. Dez. Uh, Rich, Dalrymple and myself. We walked down a long hallway. We got in a closed room. Rich closed the door, and still, everybody a hundred yards away could hear Des screaming at me because he didn't like a question I asked him. I actually didn't even ask, get to ask him that question. I told Rich I was going to ask him that question, and 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 it just started from there. And but my actually favorite value ranch memory goes with with. It's not, it's not my favorite, but I just remember walking down the other way uh, in, into into that big. Uh, the room, the the interview room, which they don't use anymore. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, team meeting room now. Team meeting in room, but back, it yeah. was an interview room there. That's where Jerry uh, that's where gave Jerry the that's that's Jocks and yeah. mm-hmm. Sox thing, behind Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones as they were going to announce that Jimmy- And you're Jimmy in John.
1: that picture, as a matter of
0: fact. I am. Fact. Me and Bill Swanbeck, Who, who uh, we're, we're in, in that immortal picture. Um, and I do look pretty svelte in it, I must say. No, I wouldn't that's say that. That's the last time I- that's a, I would time. not say that. But- but 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 I uh, but I think the the des takes precedence over that because it was it was so public.
1: I think one of the things that, and I don't know if uh, if fans really even care about this kind of stuff. But it, one of the striking things to me to remember about Valley Ranch was that you know it used to be the that the media worked right there in the doors where the players came in. And they're little cubicles there, and they had one for the Star Telegram, one for the for the morning news, and one for the Times Herald. Correct. And and so it was about the size of a phone booth, but uh, it was a place for you to work. And and I can remember I was in there one time, and I would wanted to talk to Troy Aikman. And Troy comes in there and sits down in the little room with me, and uh, and and I interview him in there. And it's so it's all very. Pleasant and, and, uh, and convenient for us anyway. And now
0: it's just a, it's a production.
2: You know. We also used to have the home number of every Cowboys player <laughs> yes, along with administrator and, 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 and head coaching and the, staff. the
0: coach. Also, my, my favorite was sitting in that room, and, and, and I'll, I'll always love him for this, Brian Baldinger, who is now with the NFL Network and has and been with Fox. Uh, he used to come in on his way out and go, you guys need anything?
2: It was like, on his way out the door, he, he, you know, hey, you guys need anything from me today? Several guys, would, several guys would stop in because they would walk back to their cars and just, you know, it, it was, again, that's where— a Different era. You didn't have, they didn't have as many demands on their time. Uh, they didn't have as many media outlets asking them things. Uh, so you were able to build more of a relationship during that. I'm not getting into good old day syndrome here. Just, Man just, syndrome. Logistically, it was just different. Uh, the logistics were different, and you're ne- you'll never go back that way because of the the time demands now, and and it's it's really more they have availability now more than access, and, and I think those are, are two. Yeah, big. explain the difference between those two things. Well, availability they'll make players available for a window from one to one forty five, say in the locker and room. And what time do they show up for
0: the one o'clock availability?
2: One forty four. Yeah. Or if they show up at all, or the players will say, "Well, I, I already talked this week." Right. Well, supposedly teams can only designate one person on each side of the ball that only talks once a week. But more and more are doing that, and and so it's so again, you don't access is actually dealing with people behind the scenes and gathering things, and now you can't do it. One from a trust standpoint, there's not a lot of that trust anymore. But two. It's also an accountability thing because if you give it to one outlet, then what about all these other outlets that you're ignoring and then they're demanding to get that same access? So it's just a, it's just a different climate. You know, people complain,
1: though. People I hear this all the time. Well, you guys are just, you know, in their space all the time. And it's like you're crazy. Completely. H- untrue. Hang around here. A little bit. These guys spend let I mean, actual fiscal less, content, less yes. than an hour, less than 30 minutes an entire
2: week. If they
1: spend fifteen or thirty minutes uh, an entire week, well, things things will be
2: different when they move to Frisco. I'm yeah, sure. yeah, they'll be on a different floor, and you yeah. won't see them at all. But yeah, I mean, actually, you, you see a, you see a guy outside the locker room for thirty seconds. That's a that's a good get these days. That that's good quality one-on-one time that you normally. I mean, you, it's been reduced to seconds rather than right. 10, 15 minutes. But again, th- this isn't complaining. It's just different. You can still do the job. It's just a different. Everything changes. But uh, but you know there there are other. It's interesting because when you look back on this, and and again this. This week will be the final three practices at, at Valley Ranch for the Cowboys. And, and the next, they won't be there again uh, for practice. When, when minicamp concludes on Thursday, that will be the last formal practice they hold at Valley Ranch because then the team leaves for Oxnard in late July. When they return in mid-August, uh, they will go back and their first practices will be at the Star in, in Frisco. So this will be the last three days. But, it, you know, most of the memories, the, the big memories, the, uh, the iconic ones happen in games. They have them at Texas Stadium, AT&T Stadium, other stadiums around the league. This is where they do the work. These are the smaller things. But there's still things that come out of that. I mean, you know, Larry Allen, when, when he's bench pressing 700 and, and the reaction in the weight room. We were mentioning Tom Landry earlier. I mean, just sitting through a Tom Landry press conference, and he would often – mangle names and he had they were playing the Raiders and he went through the whole press conference and referred to Huey Long the entire press conference instead Howie of Long. Howie Long yeah right and Huey Long was the former governor of, of uh, Louisiana so uh, a more but, interesting guy than Howie Long too oh oh my gosh Huey yeah. Long there's yeah. a lot to yeah. plumb
0: there as yeah. far as uh, we, so what what can, what can we expect to happen it or what what will you you'll be out there yes at the minicamp the final minicamp at Valley Ranch
2: so nostalgic. What will you? What will you be? A look, tear may. What may run down my cheek? What will Barry. you be looking for? There will be two people. I'll be looking for. I'll be looking for Rolando McClain and Ronald Leary to see if they show up for the mandatory mini camp. They have not been at the voluntary portion of the off season program. Um, Ron Leary wants a trade. The Cowboys would be receptive to doing one, but. Uh, they're, going need, uh, they're going to need a. They're going to need an assurance of a of a fourth round pick, something fourth fifth round pick in return, because if they keep him on the roster for insurance and then just let him go next year, he's going to start somewhere else, and in starting that, they would get a compensatory pick that's going to be in the in probably the fourth or fifth round range because he would start for another team. So they're not going to give him away for less than that. So that that is the that's where they're at loggerheads there. Um, as far as Rolando McLean. Uh, You know, they went from saying they uh, he missed the first OTA and they said he had, you know, was back in Alabama for personal reasons. Jason Garrett said he expected him to be at the second OTA. He was not at the second OTA. And Jason Garrett said that he hoped he would be at the third OTA. He was not at the third OTA. And when asked if he would be at the mandatory minicamp, Jason Garrett said, I don't know. (laughs) So. Uh even if even if Rolando McLean is not there he will still go to training camp with the team. Uh but but it will take as, money as, out as, of his pocket. But it'll be as a starting middle linebacker
0: regardless if he's there or not, correct? Right?
1: Regardless, not irregardless. Well, well they're going to take a
2: precautionary they're going to take, take a precautionary approach with him, I believe as we were talking about earlier today in another yeah. podcast. Precautionary, yeah. Um if, if he doesn't come to the mandatory minicamp, I don't know that he's going to go to training camp as a starter. Now, he may earn that back very quickly. Uh, from a talent perspective, you would think he would. But there has to be – if you don't attend a mandatory camp, there has to be some uh, – there has to be some pushback to that from an organizational standpoint. So I don't I don't know that you can skip a mandatory minicamp and then just waltz into Oxnard and say, you're still the starting middle linebacker. You're going to have to start on second team okay, or when third the, team. And when back. The, when this,
0: okay, when the season opens, op, opening night, opening day, are you saying someone other than Rolando McClain will be playing middle linebacker for the Cowboys?
2: I would expect he would be the starting middle linebacker. The question with me is, how will he be the starting middle linebacker for sixteen games? Here's a, here's a question I have: If if Jalen
1: Smith and if he was healthy, he wouldn't have been a second round draft pick. But if right. Jalen Smith were healthy and playing, would Rolando McLean be in camp or at these many camps? I don't think so. And would the Cowboys, I this, care?
2: I just think it's I just think it's, just think it's Rolando McLean's makeup. I, I think they know exactly. I mean, we, you know, when I found out last week, he wasn't here for the third. Uh, Someone, you know, uh, a member of the organization said, well, really, it would be a story if he was here, would not it? And I mean, they've kind of they've made this trade off with him. They understand that he's a a different sort of guy. Um, And and they also feel that now, now last year, I think they got into trouble because you had Hardy. You had Joseph Randall. You had a lot of other guys who were key members of the team. And suddenly. You look up, and there are three, four, five starters on the team that you can't necessarily depend on, and it's not an isolated incident anymore, and you can argue that impacts everyone's approach, or it gives everyone else more latitude to say, well, what about those guys? They feel now that that Rolando McLean is isolated, that he's not a leader. No one's going to follow and point to him and saying, well, you're letting McLean get away with this. What about me? Because none of the other leaders in terms of play on that team take that approach so they feel it is they feel they can afford to do this with Rolando McLean one because of his talent but two because of their other key starters don't exhibit that approach so they're not concerned that his lackadaisical approach to preparation is going to take over and become part of the culture
1: so so what we're saying is is that uh, as Babe Loffenberg always likes to quote uh, Don Shula in saying that uh, we will put up with you until we can replace you. Yes. And and that and that is that is the key with Rolando McClain.
2: You know you know to Rolando McClain's contract is structured to where for for his talent level uh you know the most he's going to make this year is 5 million. Is that, that all? Yeah and the, and that that depends on him being <laughs> that depends on him being active for all these games. I mean he he has he could come in well under 5 million. Uh so so if he if he becomes too much of an issue, uh he's taking money out of his own pocket. So I, I think that's going to be the the baseline with Rolando McLean. I think he's going to uh push it up to the point where it's going to start costing him money and then you're going to see that that he won't allow that to happen. And and if he does, well, okay, you you go with someone else. But it's not a that's why he's on a one-year contract for the third consecutive season even though he is arguably as talented as any defender they have. He is,
1: but I will say this, too, not to belabor the Ronald McClain's angle from our podcast, but,
0: um, you know... You know, we talked a lot. He, we talked a lot about him last week too. You know, I'm, you I'm sure here. he did. There's, uh, also,
2: there's also more to playing the talent. I'm just saying, strictly well, no, for the well, talent. Absolutely, standpoint.
1: but yeah. but he, but he, he never sustains it over an entire season. Well, there's and, and, consistency, and, and there's not that, and, and there's attitude
2: and approach. Yeah, because I'm
1: not always believe I'm not always believing it's because of injuries either. It just seems like there are just times it's like he just checks out. Yeah, and 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 to me, that's the greater sin. It's one thing not to be to be a uh, not to be a practice player. Allen Iverson, uh, and then to sh- but to show up in the games. All right, If you're not going to show up for many camps, if you're not d- going to do all the things you're supposed to do and workouts and you're not going to go at it 100% like everybody else is trying to do, then you better really be turning it on during the games. Mm-hmm. And he does do that on, on occasion. He For five or six games, he's all world. I mean, he's, to me, he's as good a looking as, as any middle linebacker yeah. in the game. I don't know. I've, I've seen a, a, a linebacker – well, there, I mean, there have been, but not, not a lot – who make better open field tackles, one on one tackles than he does? As as Jason Garrett says, when you hit and when he hits you, you stay hit. You know uh, he gives
2: them a physical edge they lack without him. That's
1: absolutely right. So you're right. The, the talent part of it I get, but this is also part of you know the old Jason Garrett selling this whole thing. When people talk about you want to have the right players in, not everybody's
2: going to be the right player, and I yeah, get not that. Not everyone's going to be that. Yeah. Now, now but, you, you can argue that last year when I think there were more of these guys in the locker room and we talked about that going into the season have you have you welcomed too many of these guys into your tent where it's going to impact the culture i think certainly uh injuries were the primary reason uh, of why last season unfolded but once you had those injuries and it started to unfold the what you lost in the in the locker room culture i think added to the the rapid a downward spiral. Well, that's when you see the real character of it yeah, too. When exactly, things have to go bad. Exactly. This year, you don't see that across the lot. Rolando McClain is definitely the exception, not the rule. And you can deal with the exception much easier uh... in my mind and and i think that is jason garrett's approach and i think they'll always be his approach i don't i think i don't think he's ever going to exclude well this guy doesn't fit our profile exactly because talent's going to to win out in all these situations you're going to say okay temperamentally he's not he doesn't have the edge i would like but who is he surrounded by and by surrounding him by these other guys does it minimize what he lacks if that's the case this still works from a team chemistry standpoint. I think you can do that on an individual basis here and there and spot it. Uh, they did it too much last year. I would argue. So
1: speaking of the uh, of the other guys, though, uh, we we saw or at least we heard what other teammates thought of Greg Hardy uh, last year that it was not a good influence on the rest of the uh, locker room. Do do you do you get any of that feel from from uh, uh, Orlando McLean's teammates?
2: No, no, no. Yeah, they just. I mean, it's like. Yeah, that's Roe, because because Roe is not Ro, Rolando McLean, uh, just wants to be who he is. He's not he's not trying to present himself as the the face of the defense and follow me. Uh, he's not interested in in the publicity outside of the game uh, like Greg Hardy was a, a lot of the time. It's just I just want to go out there and play. Basically, his attitude. Is, just let me play, dude. You know he's not influencing practice, the the other players. He's not influencing anyone else. It's not. Um, he's not a. Uh, you often hear cancer in the locker room, which I think is is overrated uh, and, and too harsh of a dram- and dramatic of a term and is used too often. But but he in no way influences that locker room negatively. It is just oh, Rose not at practice today.
0: Yep. Well, well what if, if we what if, what if we pare it down? That's not, not the locker room, but when the positions meet. Mm-hmm. is can you be a cancer in the linebacker room or in or in the def, you know defensive lineman room when there's fewer players and and you might have a bigger influence in there
2: you can but but Rolando from what i've been told and and understand Rolando McLean's personality is not such to he just wants to be there and fit he just wants to be there and play he's on uh, sundays yeah on sundays and, and he's so he's not uh He's still engaged and active, as far as my understanding is, when he's in the individual meeting rooms. Uh, But he's not disrespectful in any way. Uh, You know, a lot of people take not practicing as a form of disrespect, and you can certainly argue that. Um, But with all other indicators as far as how he interacts with the coaching staff, what he does, there's none of that whatsoever. Very deferential uh, studies. Uh, not saying he leads the class in those individual meetings, but he's not at the end of the class either. He's not dragging them down. Uh, he, he's just a guy who wants to play on Sundays, doesn't, bring a lot of attention, doesn't want a lot of attention, uh, just let me play. And so th- that sort of laissez-faire attitude is different than a negative attitude. Are right, We talked enough about Rolando about. Here. I want
0: to ask about wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not going to get into tight ends right now because you, you know where that, where that might oh, take us. we know us. where that goes. But wide receiver, do the, the number two, we're not going to talk about the number one wi- wide receiver, the number two wide receiver. Is that the one that yells at you? The number one wide receiver, constantly. He's yelled at others that we should point out as well. Yes, thank you. Thank you for defending me, David.
2: Fix this, Rich. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but, but number two, let me ask you this question. The number two wide receiver, yes. could, could there be a change in the number two wide
2: receiver going – when the season begins? People like to point to that and speculate about that. I don't see it happening. I think Terrence Williams is going to be this team's number two receiver, and I don't think he's going to receive that significant of a challenge. I think Bryce Butler has looked good in camp. Uh, but we talked about where you know wherever Kevin was last week when we were talking. He was um, online trying to get Hamilton tickets. We look at how this team is going to be composed offensively this year with – the number of times it's going to run the ball, I think ideally going in that you could say the blueprint is they want Tony Romo to throw 20 to 24 times a game on average is really kind of what they're pointing toward going into a game. Let's assume that 10 of those or 8 to 10 of those are in Des Bryant's direction. Des certainly believes at least 8 to 10 of those should be in his direction. Uh, Let's assume 3 to 4 or Cole Beasley – on on third down situations 5 to 6 Jason Witten that doesn't leave you a lot left and um i i just don't know that uh Bryce Butler Bryce Butler needs to show a consistency that he hasn't shown in order to beat Terrence Williams out of that position. I know a lot of people are down on Terrence Williams because of last year. That's because he was a lead receiver. He's going back to the role that he's best suited for, which is a secondary receiver. And I don't, and and he is, the secondary receiver by nature is going to have games where he has no impact whatsoever. And then he's going to have games where he has a tremendous impact, which is what Terrence Williams has done throughout his career. I I, I think he has built up a trust level With Tony Romo, and I think the opportunities are going to be so limited that uh, I don't think who the number two receiver is going to matter all that much. But I also think it's going to be Terrence Wilson. Isn't he the
0: guy that Romo looks for when the play breaks down? Romo starts scrambling and
2: and he presents himself. Yeah, he he's often that guy. Yeah, and and that's another question too. How uh, does Romo need to get rid of the ball quicker? Uh, do they need to run the ball more? Do they not need to extend the plays as much because and, and put Tony Romo at harm's way uh, coming off of last season? And in that case, does that minimize Terrence Williams to some respect?
0: Will Jalen Smith be doing anything? <laughs> in, at wide receiver? No. <laughs> you at linebacker. Y- I, I You're I like, so ADD. I, I, you I, I, like to, I like to switch. Okay, I, I'm still waiting for an answer on Ian Desmond from you from the last podcast. I gave you a very good answer on the <laughs> yeah, end, Desmond. Yeah, very long answer. It wasn't very good. That was like it's like when you're you're taking an exam and somebody and, and you're doing an essay question. An essay and, question. And, and, you and you just keep going on and on and on and on. Come on, Kev. Oh, no, oh, come no, on. You heard his Not, I heard his oh, feelings. Oh, now he's pouting. pouting. No, I, I felt like i have taken up too much time of your time already. <laughs> <laughs> no, but could we exp- anything
2: out of him other than walking up and down the sideline? I'm sorry. What was your question? Jalen Smith. No, I they Jerry Jones has come out and said let's Jones. not discount him for this season medically. From my understanding, everyone is discounting him for this season. Now again, there, you know there are also some psychological aspects to rehabilitation that I think people don't take into account a lot of times. I mean, do you want to? You're bringing this guy in who's working through a major injury for the first time of his life. Do you want to say it doesn't matter what you do this year, you're not going to step on the field for us, even if that's a reality? It's not costing you a roster spot to keep this open right now. You're, you're giving the guy, well, you know, hey, look, hey, you're doing great. You're doing great. Let's see. I'm not sure you can play if you do this, but let's see. So I, I think they're holding that uh, rehab carrot out there more than they are any the aspect or, or expectation that he will play this year. From what I've been told, it would be – a stunning development if Jalen Smith takes the field this year. For Will he be playoffs. ready to play in the Super Bowl? Well, that, that's a different question. Yeah, maybe.
0: Kevin, you are you still hurt? No. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Oh, that's me and you. Kevin, Kevin is checked out. Can we get Evan back on? Call Evan. He's probably still on the runway. He's, he's probably still on the runway talking, talking to the – Stewardess, as he, as he, <laughs> yeah, as, as, he, he, as he so datedly said, uh, we're also dated. We're as we're also all so old. back from Mad Men. Days. Uh, what about the secondary?
2: That is a big question going into the season. I would say, um, you know, they've actually uh, early in these OTAs, and and I think people read too much. We see very limited portion of the OTAs. We only see one day a week, and they're out there three days a week. And so often people put too much. Uh, too much into the fact of oh look this guy's at this position. Well, a lot of what they've done here is they they've switched sides with Brandon Carr and Mo Claiborne. They're working different sides a lot in OTAs, and you go oh they're going to switch sides this year, and you know Carr likes the right side better, and Mo Claiborne's more suited to this. Um, they're just getting a look at things right now to see how guys adapt. You know, last year they gave Cole Beasley a lot of time as as a, as an X receiver because uh, they wanted to see him. Uh, because they want him to work on a skill set that's not slot receiver all the time in case you need to spot him at other things. And then as training camp goes along, you see these guys work those positions less and less. Uh, so I wouldn't put too much into it. But, uh, you know, at this stage, Orlando Scandrick's not back yet. He'll be cleared for training camp and, and should be cleared to go then. Uh, Carr and Claiborne have both been out there. It's a very limited sample size, but Mo Claiborne is moving around really well and looks really good in OTAs early again the question with him is can he can his body withstand the pounding and actually stay on the field but you look back in his career he's had so little practice time and some of that is you just see him out there practicing and you can tell him moving around but this to me this is as good as he's looked moving around as he has at any point Uh, you're going to move Byron Jones back to safety uh, the que- You know, you have Barry Church back there. The question is, is J.J. J. Wilcox going to be able to hold on to a starting job? I would doubt that. I, I think it's going to be Byron Jones and-, and Barry Church back there. And, uh, you know, you-, you picked up a safety in the draft who I think while his Frazier, who his contribution the first season is primarily special teams, who's to say he can't step in there and help you? And, and Jeff Heath has actually good- looked good in practice as well.
0: Kevin, who are you looking at uh, on the pass rush side? Who's going to pass rush for this team? Nobody. Oh, he's really laid out.
2: My gosh! Oh, and then he's not going to want to go to lunch after this. Now I can tell. No, is that a, is, is that necessarily a negative in your stamp from your viewpoint? Yes, because it's his turn to pay. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> it is your turn to pay. You do know that, right? No, no.
0: <laughs> I feel so bad now. No, you don't. No, I feel good actually.
2: Uh, no, really, and- from Kevin, from past rush standpoint, I know you've you've expressed questions about this area before. Uh how do you think this plays out early in the season when DeMarcus Lawrence and Greg Hardy will be suspended? We, Randy, we'll Gregory, Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory, excuse me, yeah. No. <laughs> uh,
1: no, I I think Come that on, uh buddy. that Tyrone Crawford uh, obviously is gonna get a good look there. And uh uh and so uh it, Here's the thing: They didn't have much of a pass rush last year either. They didn't have much of a pass rush the year before that. Two years
2: ago, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeremy so. Mincy was their leading. The, the year they had 32 turnovers and were 12 and four, Jeremy Mincy with six sacks led the team in sacks. Right.
1: So, so to me, it's uh, you know, this is always everybody's reaction. Everybody over, overreacts to what happened the previous year, and uh, so two years ago. Uh, the defense, uh, the smoke and mirrors were all great, and everything worked fine with what Rod Marinelli was doing. But that's when everybody was relatively healthy, too. Uh, last year, he has a significant injuries in and, and the secondary, and uh, I think that was a, a, a big blow to the team, losing uh, a Moe Claiborne. Or not a Mo Claiborne, but losing uh, Orlando Scandrick uh, is, a, is a big blow. So now you're going to, if those guys are all healthy, I think the safety situation is a lot better with uh, with Byron Jones playing there full-time. You have to think that he would be better uh, playing one position instead of two or three and uh and so I think that that means you'll get improvement there uh, once those uh, defensive ends come back from their suspensions uh, I expect it'll be better uh so I'd, i'm I'm not pushing as many buttons about it I don't think it was something they needed to necessarily address in the draft the way that it happened uh, and they didn't and they didn't well they didn't have a chance to take the best defensive end in the draft uh and you know for everything that we heard about DeForest Buckner from Oregon was that really he's not a 4-3 defensive end. He's more
2: of a three technique, a defensive tackle in this scheme. Yes. That's how they viewed him. I so think. would you really want to have taken
1: a defensive tackle with that first pick, you know, or their their first pick? I don't think that would have been a good idea. So you know, I think that to say you have to draft offensive end, which to me was was foolishness. You, you take the best player you can get, and then now in the second round, should they have traded up, you know, to get one of those two guys, uh, uh, Kevin Dodd or Agba uh, from Oklahoma State? Maybe so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know that they didn't try. Maybe they did uh did did we ever hear that there was a possibility that they were trying to get they, in the they wanted
2: both yeah they they wanted they Ogba was the guy they wanted even above Dodd is my understanding uh they were on they were discussing it uh but they didn't want to give up the, the third round pick in order to move up to do it so then they took Malik Collins in the third round who with Lawrence and Gregory being out i think they were really counting on to be part of the rotation when will and he he allow Tyron Crawford to go outside you know he's going <laughs> he's to be hurt. back he's going to be back for the start of the regular season. That doesn't mean he's ready to play at the start of the regular season. So, so now I think the, and that that the whole Tyron. Yeah, Crawford the, the latitude they have on moving Tyron Crawford outside. I think that's less likely now. You're going to see him more at the three technique. And now suddenly you're going. Okay, well maybe Charles Tapper, our fourth round pick, where he's going to have to play here early. You have to go last year. Well, Ryan Reynolds, our fifth round pick, Ryan Russell, excuse me, um, Ryan Reynolds, Ryan fine Reynolds actor. was going. To, he was. <laughs> He was very good in Deadpool, I if I may yeah. say. But um so, you know, traditionally traditionally defensive ends make a big jump in their second year. Now Ryan Russell was yelled at constantly in his first year, didn't play much at all. So if you get anything out of him, that's a jump. But you're gonna you're gonna see him play early early in the year, I would say. And and remember, uh, they went out and they signed uh you know, they signed a guy uh, Owe, uh Benson Mayoa. Uh, I would expect him I would expect him to start. What is the fascination season? You think
1: he well, hold on oh, a minute. No, he did no, say he no. thinks this guy's gonna start. Okay.
2: okay. Well how do you well, know okay, what my well, question who's... was gonna
0: be? It th- he... wasn't gonna be about
1: that. It, it, wasn't gonna ADD, it was gonna be about. It was gonna <laughs> be was about beard that. Or something else. Okay, now tell us about the
0: quarterback. No, no, no. My question was gonna be what is the fascination the Cowboys have with X
2: Raiders? Exactly. Yeah. Well, because Fadden produced for them, so let's go for it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, Fadden, McLean, the, the wide receiver we were just about. Butler. Yeah, Butler. It's, yeah. it's
0: it's it's like. Well, they clearly thought they were misused in Oakland. Oakland's a, Oakland might be a better team than the Cowboys this year. Might finish with a better record than the Cowboys, the Raiders.
2: They might bury. They might not.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh.
2: So now you're now pointing now, to now the Raiders. You're, now you're, now you're now pointing signing. to the Raiders as the team the Cowboys should emulate. Oh going no, forward. no, no, no!
0: But 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 they're a team that the but cow no, yeah. the the Cowboys like to pick up players. They from. do, yeah. And I was just asking why. What's the fascination with that? You don't know.
2: I don't know. That's a very good point. But it, it, I will it, spend my last three days at Valley Ranch trying to discern. I think the it's answer a, to that to me, I think it's
1: a lot of it's a case by case basis. There, Rolando R- 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 McLean, the reason they liked him was because. Because of Jason Garrett's relationship with Nick Saban, and the fact that well, he te- knew technically
2: him. McLean was Baltimore, retired from Baltimore at well, the time true. they got him, that's so right. he wasn't. He, but he had been in Oakland. Yes. But that
1: was the I think that that was the attraction, and on McFadden, everybody knows what that attraction is. You know, the owner Bryce Butler you know, is a. Well, I think maybe that one was a, another just a case where it just popped up. But I, you could certainly say that the owner had one to do with one, and then the head coach had one to do with another. Certainly, the the two best of those of those guys they added. So, this is, you know, here's my problem with the, with the Benson Mayowe, Is that how mm-hmm. you pronounce his name? Uh, Mayowa. Is, uh, if Or whatever. I, pr- it is. I pronounce it differently every time May-oh. I say it. <laughs> That's okay. good. That's good. One of them's got to be right. Always right? effective. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, is that uh, or he's very athletic. Uh, what about one of these guys, we're talking about athletic uh, de- defensive linemen, one of the guys they picked up last year who played in the defensive line, got a lot of play at the end of the year. David Irving.
2: David Irving. Uh, he could start a defensive end. I, it, I think it's wide like open on who end. starts a defensive end. I, I think David Irving and, and Benson Mayo will both have a very good chance of starting at defensive end to open the season.
1: Did he? How much did Irving play, actually play defensive end? He was playing he was, mostly a defensive tackle last year, wasn't he? A lot
2: he? of tackle. He, he played a little bit of defensive end. And, and these OTAs, he's playing a little bit of everywhere. Um, he's a big guy. He's, yeah, too, he's like too tall. He's like, yeah. that's and too tall. And blo- he blocked right? a kick, yeah. And uh, he's. Uh, Rod Marinelli cross trains all these guys. Uh, he wants them playing on the interior and also on the end so he can mix and match and, and for different pass situations and, and all of this. Uh, I, I think they are. Irving, you're going to see outside more this year. Jack Crawford has a mm-hmm. chance to start at defensive end as well. He's a guy who who really ideally in a lot of ways is a tackle, but he moved outside last year and showed some things. So, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, I think they feel pretty good about where they are on the interior because they're going to go with Cedric Thornton, who they picked up from Philadelphia, and they're going to start him at the one technique. Uh, They like him a lot. He's going to replace Nick Hayden. Uh, There's not, in my mind, there's not going to be a lot of competition there. I know Terrell Terrell McLean is back and he's going to help with your depth. But I think Cedric Thornton they really like. He's going to be the one technique. They're going to keep Tyrone Crawford primarily at that three technique defensive tackle, which is the pass rush. And, and they're going to rotate Irving. They're going to rotate uh, Mayowa. They're going to do Jack Crawford. I think those are going to – right now, those are your three primary guys are going to rotate at defensive end and, and just see how it plays out in, in training camp on who they go with and, and what the number of snaps are.
1: So you're not giving uh, 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 Tapper a, a, a good shot here?
2: If you look historically at rookie pass rushers taken in the fourth round down and what they do in their first year in the league, you don't get much impact out of them. You, you look at pass rushers taken in the second round, and a lot of times you don't see more than one or two sacks out of them. So if he can work his way into the rotation, see, I think he'll be the back end of the rotation in the first four games by default because your two best defensive ends won't be there. Uh, so I think he's going to pick up some some time there. If he shows anything during that period, then I, I think he's going to be able to to stay in that rotation somehow. But it's, you know, I, I think you're going to see some guys play early that mm, after those first four games you may necessarily not see because I tell you what, DeMarcus Lawrence, especially in the second half of last season, had on. an outstanding season. He really did. I, I thought he got, got off to a bit of a slow start. But you want to look from from midseason on. Uh, I think uh, I think Sean Lee was their most impactful defensive player, but I think you could make a pretty strong argument that DeMarcus Lawrence was right there behind him and pretty close.
0: Do you guys have a pool out in the Valley Ranch press room on how many games Sean Lee will play this year?
2: We do not. Should we get one? I think he should. Why? What would you take in the pool, Barry? Over-under? Yeah. Nine. I
0: would take the under what would you take
2: the fact he's at the will position rather than the the weak side linebacker position rather than middle linebacker I think protects him a little bit Uh, the fact last year the games he missed were concussion not other body parts uh, I would go over
0: Kevin if you've had concussions are you more prone to have concussions
2: no
1: <laughs> yes. yes you, are. you are. Yes, you are. You are. Once you start having them, you're more prone to having them again. I, uh, yeah, you know, Sean Lee's such a terrific player, and uh, you, you, and such a great guy, and you would love to see him play and play all the time. I, I still don't have any problem with him taking him, you know, in the draft where they did, and he, he's, he's just like one of those kind of guys you were always thinking, well, maybe this year, and and, I, and to me, I, I, I never give up on the guy. You know, until he's ready to give up on his career, I wouldn't give up on him, you know, because of everything he brings to the organization. And when he plays, he's such a difference maker. You know, and this team doesn't have any of those really. Maybe developing them. He's but they,
2: clearly their. I would argue their only consistent playmaker on the yes. defensive side of the ball. Yes. The way this team is constructed, the ball right always now. finds him.
1: You know, it's it's an unbe- it's an unbelievable thing, especially for a linebacker. How many linebackers are making as many plays on balls as he is? I mean, I I would not having those stats in front of me. I would bet that he's in the top three in the league. Uh, because quickly makes so many tackles, and maybe he's around the ball as much. Certainly, he was against the Cowboys. So, um, but it, it's just phenomenal the difference he makes. And, and so, uh, this team, until this organization, this defense gets to a point where they can bring in guys who are making uh, more production on, on defense, they have to keep going back to him. You just don't give up on him.
0: Why is it, Why is it, I- I think it's time to end this podcast. We're forty. Why? We're forty minutes
1: in because clearly I was talking too much
0: at the end. <laughs> no, forty minutes. I'd like to publicly apologize for hurting Kevin's feelings. <laughs> no, you know you didn't hurt my feelings. It's just You just wanted his lunch money. I just, I just. I, just I, and I I'd like to go, know where you're taking me to lunch. I hate to go
1: unappreciated in this group. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, in this group, to go you get out enough of that at home. It. Yeah, that's you true.
1: That's so, here's my
0: what are we going to do next week when I think Evan will be back? You'll be here. I'll be here. I might be here. I might, maybe not. Uh, uh, will, will David be invited back? Not will, not will,
1: based on his uh, conduct <laughs> in
2: this podcast. Oh, well, uh. the- Oh, David, I think I, I'd like I to put this up for a vote among the other members of <laughs> no, this podcast. See, that that's just because it, I certainly got a sense last week that they had no you, problem now, with what's Now you have to apologize to David.
1: No, what? no, no. David's not a founding member of the podcast. <laughs> and, and what y'all didn't realize is that in the charter, I have a 60%
0: vote. <laughs> it's a charter. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, we've had g- this has been a great podcast day. Best ever. P- perhaps. No. because Because it, uh, it, it was unique in that we had a guy on the runway. <laughs> in Seattle, at SeaTac. Is it still called SeaTac Airport? SeaTac. Airport. So don't forget to listen to our Big 12, Baylor, Kirk Bowles podcast, which was off the charts in greatness. And then Off the
2: hook, as the kids say. And then <laughs> off the hook. Off the chain.
0: Off the chain. Oh, okay. Uh, you, you've been watching too much uh, America's Got Talent. <laughs> and that's Mel B's, uh, the, Mel B's line. And then we had the terrific podcast. Oh, with, my gosh. It was so insightful. <laughs> with Evan Grant on the runway. No. And now Evan Grant, the ba- Ranger podcast. And then this Cowboy podcast was way off the chain. <laughs> so for Kevin Sherrington, Kevin, say goodbye. No.
2: <laughs> he hates us now.
0: Why'd you mention him first? I'm trying to I'm trying to suck up to him because he's going to pay for lunch.
2: You sure about that? Are you going to come with us to lunch? I don't know. Yeah, I don't I mean, feel very welcome at the moment. Well, th-
0: all I could suggest is- Where are we going? I don't know, but don't get up to go to the restroom and leave your food unattended. <laughs> that's, all <I'll> sugge- <laughs> that's all I'll say. That's always good advice, actually. So this has been a great ballsy, footballsy cowboy podcast. Kevin, I'll say goodbye for you. Kevin says goodbye. David? Goodbye, everyone. No. No. <laughs>